You're listening to Campus Review Radio. This is Carl Treacher, and I'm joined by Martin Betts. We're the founders of HEDEX, and our podcast explores the changing landscape of the higher education sector in association with Campus Review. Welcome to the Higher Education Experience. Well, here we are, last episode of HEDEX for the year, Martin. Well, it's been a very big year, Carl. It's um, been great to have covered so much ground in the in the higher education sector throughout this year. And what a year of um, changing fortunes we've seen, eh? I think so. We've ended the year on something of a high. You know, vaccination rates are up, businesses opening. There's a big sense of optimism across most sectors. Um, yeah, I sort of feel like the, the light at the end of the tunnel is, is upon us and people are very excited about moving into um, the Christmas period and beyond. Yeah, I, I, excited. I, I, I don't know how I'd best describe the emotions that must be going on. I mean, people must be feeling really relieved that all of the hard work of the year, the multiple false starts have, have, have got to an end. I mean, exams are over, student evaluations have been completed. I think there's a lot of students... Um, by now either hearing or waiting to hear their results and there's a lot of universities and the staff within them waiting to hear how um, the year has been perceived by students but relief that we've got to an end together with that great sense of optimism that 2022 might be a much better time in that um, the news of our international borders being open to 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 or our borders being open to international students a sense that we'll have more of our domestic students on campus I think there'll be a lot of optimism now of the promise that we can make and how we can live up to the promise of how 2022 can be a much better year for everybody. And there's some evidence of that now too. I think a lot of people had sort of concluded that this was their new normal now, that they were going to be working from home, uh, being remote, not having as much social interaction. Uh, And now with the evidence of things like international students returning, uh, business opening up, new policies in place, you know, organisations now having to have a back-to-work policy that um, listens to their employees and understands their needs and doesn't make demands. You know, there's evidence here that we are sort of moving through. And even socially, unfortunately, I saw this week that a lot of dogs had been have been uh, surrendered to, to shelters uh, because people got them in COVID and all of a sudden they didn't know how to look after them. Now, that's uh, without speaking specifically to that point, that's the behaviour of people that don't see a way out you know they they make a decision and expect that to be their future well i hope that's it other than just having a too much of a short-term perspective on what a dog's dog or cat actually means yeah well um, i mean making short-term decisions and then living with the consequences of them is 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 something that uh we might reflect on there's been a bit of a challenge for the higher education sector too we've had an awful awful lot of decisions been made for the sector by policy makers and within institutions by leaders and within individual courses by the staff and students involved but um, what those decisions look like for the longer term is something that everyone's going to have to live with now and reappraise in a different light for what I think can be a much better 2022 for the whole sector. You know something we won't be doing as much in 2022 is watching streaming shows, but I do know that you um, you do like a little bit of Netflix, so let's let's jump straight into that. Would I be right in saying you've watched The Chair? 
Well, I mean, I never thought I'd see this. That um, for those of us in the sector, the 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 characters and the politics and the issues within the sector are of huge interest to us. But sometimes you you wonder whether you live in a vacuum, and the rest of the world's not not been that concerned about it. But I, I think twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one will go down as years in which the whole world has, has actually shown a lot of interest in what happens in universities. Uh, the search for a vaccine and the fact we delivered it so quickly. The, um, the adoption of technology and the move to online has been something that the world has paid a lot of attention to. And who'd have thought in the middle of this year we'd then get a next Netflix streaming show called The Chair about the life and politics and issues going on in an American college and an American university that has been widely watched, I know, around the world by people in the sector and has got some real funny stories that I think are relevant to the real issues we're dealing with of the day. I confess I haven't seen it, Martin, but I would like to know the key things that stood out for you. Well, the the, the story of the chair is a very rich one in terms of uh, a typical department, if you like, in an American university. It's a department of English literature with a new, a new head of department or chair voted in by the staff, immediately seeing that from amongst her peers, she's then having to deal with the expectations of her dean and of her senior management in driving budgets and performance and what students think and what donors think and the politics of of running a university department. So for me, it really gave a pointer into the issues that we have with dealing with multiple stakeholders in universities and how we build culture in university departments. And there's some lovely stories in there about how mentioning exams and student evaluation how some of the different staff embrace the um the prospect of listening to what their students think and responding to it in their planning for for courses and planning for the years ahead is is really quite eye opening I think that if you look back at NPS, now there's a, a lot of literature and data suggests that NPS is not all it's cracked up to be, but that was a turning point for organisations outside of the sector to get deep into customer insights and to make sure that this was something that was very a constant focus for everyone in the organisation to ensure that you know customer centricity and customer satisfaction was the very thing that was driving experience. And so, you know, I don't know what happens in the sector in that space, but you know, MPS has now evolved and was using a variety of other tools to, to um, you know, detail exactly what, ex- what expectations customers have and how we're shaping those expectations and how we're delivering on them. So I'd be interested to know, is there something like that in the sector that has been a, is a turnkey solution or has been a catalyst for that sort of investigation? Well, I don't think there is. I mean, I think this has been a really big issue for the sector. We, we, we don't like talking about customers that much. We talk about students and we talk about... Um, you know, what, 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 what student expectations should be, what student success is, what student engagement means. But there's still been a tradition of, of universities knowing what or thinking that they know what students need and us expecting to find some ways of delivering that in the best way to students. And the, that, that, that customer view for me in the, Netflix episode, in the Netflix series, The Chair, was beautifully illustrated where... One of the more mature professors in this English department who was was not the most enthusiastic um, adopter of student evaluation and customer feedback. Indeed, in some of the early episodes, she burned the data that she collected from having students fill in forms. Um, when it went online, she then found herself working with the IT department to track down who it was that was giving some negative scores and the student evaluations to her course, found, found this student in the library and proceeded to give them a lecture on why Chaucer was so important. 
Um, it's, it's a perfect illustration of that principle of maybe we, the academy, know best. We know what's good for you, and you need to understand why it's important rather than how are you experiencing this and how can you experience it better. Now, there's massive parallels there right now with business, particularly uh, leadership being essentially Gen X and Gen Y and Gen Z now making up the vast majority of the workforce. And so I'm watching big organizations, but not necessarily make demands but or mandates, but approach, approach um, uh, understanding employees and how they are going to interact with one another and collaborate in space very, very differently and missing the mark. You know, that we've got clients uh, that have, you know, I don't know, hundred million dollars worth of real estate assets uh, that aren't being used effectively and probably won't be unless they find the right strategy to bring people back in an effective way that engages them and that means listening so I think that's very it's fascinating that we get into these situations where we assume so much largely on our own experience and conditioning and we need to make sure we keep the door open to understand that generations and the demographic of of particular cohorts are very, very different to us in terms of what they need, and we need to start challenging our own assumptions and conclusions. Well, there's an, another great example of that in the, in the the chair series, Carl, where um, the 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 range of demographics in the academic workforce of this department ranges from you know people who have been there 30, 40 years teaching exactly the same way all of that time um, at the at the end of their professions. Um, making judgments about about tenure and promotion for younger staff and when when you got the insight into how students perceive the older staff compared with the younger staff and the <clears throat> very simple customer feedback of how many students are turning up to the classes um, there was a much stronger engagement between and a much stronger um, affinity between the younger staff and the students as you'd expect than, than the older staff indeed they paired up older staff and younger staff to try and in some ways rescue the reputations of older staff to be able to survive in a very fast changing demographic situation but it's still those older staff that were making the judgments of younger staff in their career progressions really quite interesting so this week i know we interview a student and i'd be very interested to hear how she finds the experience with younger and older professors or lecturers well um, that that was one of the things that we um we probed at with our student guest this week we actually interviewed her at two different times once right at the start of her program in, in orientation week and again as she came up to exam time when she was completing student evaluations. So seeing how expectations at the starts of, um, of student experiences and how experiences as they're assessed part the way through that study period, how they change and are impacted by what's put in front of people is a, a really good way of getting an insight into into feedback from, from students and feedback from customers of what the higher education experience is all about. Let's have a listen. Our guest today on HeadX is Kobe Lee. Kobe commenced her studies as an entrepreneurial scholarship holder in a QUT business double degree in July 2021, soon after having written her third book at the age of 19. Kobe, welcome to HeadX. Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me. Kobe, you've chosen to, now you've published that book, to study a double degree of business with creative industries. I wonder if you can start off by telling us, what, why have you chosen to study that combination of subjects? What, what is it about the com combination of those two study areas that, that interests you? So for, I chose business because obviously I'm interested in business, but I've also been told by a bunch of entrepreneurs not 
to go to uni and not to study business. And I really wanted to challenge that kind of thought process. And so I, I kind of decided in myself that I had to study business to understand why they were saying no, because all these people who were saying don't study business hadn't studied business and they were entrepreneurs and they were claiming that don't go to uni. So I really wanted to like test those waters. And so that is purely why I'm doing business because I want to hear what the uni has to say and what different things I can learn through that. And then the creative industry side, it was a tough decision between creative industry, law and education for me. So I was tossing up between all three because my mother is a lawyer and I really wanted to do law along, like have something in common with her like that. But I ended up choosing creative industries as my first preference because I heard that you can really create anything through that degree and really build on it and do all these cool things. So I thought, look, I'm going to do creative industries alongside business and hopefully those two will tie in really nicely together to give me some tools in deciding on what I'm going to do in the future and how they're going to help me go through with that. You've chosen to choose to, to study that double, de- double degree at QUT. I wonder if you can under- help us understand what factors, what factors led you to make the decision to go to QUT as a university. Before I even decided that I wanted to go to university, I didn't even know about QUT or anything. So it was merely just doing research and figuring out all the unis. And then someone told me that QUT had a really good entrepreneurship program and that they were very innovative and like ahead of times and trying to do everything in the real world. So obviously trying to be an entrepreneur in the modern world, I was like, okay, that sounds, that sounds really cool. So that's how it led to me to going to QUT. And then when I went for the scholarship, it just kind of buttered the bread. And um, you've been to a couple of days of the orientation for the course then and sessions for that this week. You've, you've visited the campus, you're, you've seen some of the facilities, you've met some of the staff. What, what, what are you feeling at the moment then about the expectations that have been raised about what you're going to study, how you'll study it and what it can lead to for you and your journey into life? super exciting um I've everyone's been so so innovative so very progressive in the way that they talk to me which is really interesting because it's like when I walk through orientation random students are coming up and meeting me they don't know who I am and they're going so what are you studying what are you doing next and I'm like oh my goodness like okay I've got to think now I've got to you've got to be on your toes (laughs) and it's the same with the um with the teachers and everyone around in the schools they're like so what are you studying what are you doing what are you doing next? And since having the scholarship, a lot of them have already, they know my face and I don't know them. So there's a lot of expectations there for myself to be doing stuff. So it was very interesting coming into orientation, but it's definitely hyped me up and given me a sense of more motivation to start doing more within the QT community, like joining clubs and doing more of the workshops. So it's definitely setting my standards very high for what I'm going to do while I'm here. How exciting. That answers the question. <laughs> that certainly does. And it's just so exciting to hear you talk about um, the experience you've had in your journey of choosing a university, preparing yourself to do it by writing a book, and now 
um, getting getting on board with the course with such a, a, a positive environment. Thanks very much for joining us today, Kobe. I look forward to talking to you later on in your studies and just seeing how some of those expectations and that initial excitement have played out as you've had a chance to experience it further. But for now, for joining us on HeadX, thanks very much, Kobe Lee. That's all right. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, isn't Kobe something? She's uh, hit the university scene with a with a real bang. Well, I mean, someone coming fresh to a new course and a new city and a new university um, in her first couple of weeks there, she had so many insights into what she's experienced. I, I got a really strong sense for her being throwing herself as invited by the university to meeting new people and going through new experiences. But she also had some fascinating insights for me into why students choose particular universities, the the programs within those universities and where they're going to study and, and what the rationales are behind that. I think she speaks for a lot of students and a lot of people of that age and demographic at the moment that have very high expectations and very high standards. And so the pressure's really on organisations in general, in this instance universities, to make sure that they are meeting those expectations, if not exceeding them. So I think she, um, I'd be interested to hear what she has to say in a minute about that. But for our listeners of HeadX, I think it's really important to take stock of um, the way that we are listening, the way we're auditing information and what we're doing about it. Yeah, well, um, I mean, listening is, is key. And, and what I heard most clearly and what I've understood from the way that I've been trying to engage with the student market over a number of years is that students are very impacted by reputation of institutions and the programs within them. They're highly influenced by the location of, of a place of study and where they want to be. They, they have some insight into the particular courses and what they'll study and, and, and what that will mean. But the word I think is really important for, for this generation and for what it's looking for and what it values is this word of flexibility. Um, people want to keep their paths open, they want to make choices continuously, they want to not commit early, they want to... The, 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 Kobe's doing a double degree and double degrees have exploded in popularity across universities in Australia and it's for a variety of reasons about differentiating yourself in the marketplace, it's because you've got diverse interests but as much as anything it's giving that opportunity to pursue multiple paths at the start of a program of study to experiment with them and make choices on your way through about where you want to make your focus. And um, I think that's a great example of the sort of dynamics that go in, be in, in behind student choice at this moment in time. Now, it's almost like pulling the green veil back on The Wizard of Oz, but let's see how she went after her first six months. Kobe, we first met on HeadX in July of this year during your orientation week in your new course at QUT. How, how's the, we're, we're now in week 12, I understand. How's the first semester gone for you? Um, the first semester, wow, it's gone so fast, but it's been, it's been a lot. It's been a big change from like doing year 12 work to going into uni and having those higher expectations. But yeah, no, it's been pretty fun, pretty good. In what ways has your experience, do you think, looking back, lived up to the expectations you had as you started your studies about what a real world university would be like? There was a lot of talk because they say it's university for the real world about making friends, taking opportunities, meeting new people. This semester, I feel like I've just gone a little bit too far with meeting people and taking advantage of all the opportunities. So it's been a lot, but it's been amazing. 
because I thought I wasn't going to make as many friends as I did. But every time I walk into uni, I see someone I know, which has been really good, especially during like COVID and those snap lockdowns. I've got new friends that I never thought I'd like even talk to in different degrees and different industries and like older, younger, everything. So definitely building that community has this semester has been amazing. So, so, so you've probably hit upon the answer to some of these, this, this next question a little bit and what you've just said, but I wonder if there are other things you might want to say. What, what, what are the highlights for you in your first semester and what's happened in the first semester that's most reinforced the expectations you had about what QUT would be like most strongly? Yeah, so they asked us to join groups in the first semester in, like, in O-Week and I went out and I joined every group that I, that I thought was interesting which apparently is not what first years actually do. <laughs> they say to do it, but um, all my friends hadn't done it. And they said, no, no, we're going to do that second semester. So I dove straight in because I was like, that's advice, I'm going to take it. And now I'm in all these different groups doing these different like workshops and networking events. I found myself at networking industry nights as a first year, first semester student, just talking to people and being offered jobs already, which is really bizarre, especially since I hadn't even finished any of my units or even any of my first assessments. But it was definitely really exciting because as a highlight, it was like being given that opportunity in the real world straight away without even having to be there, but being supported by this network of like people and groups and this, yeah, the community. I'm just going to keep saying community because it's essentially what university is. What are you most looking forward to other than finishing your, your exams in, in the semesters to come and in the next and later stages of your studies with what you know now? I'm so excited for the next couple semesters, which I don't think you'll hear many people say, but I've been offered a few opportunities to push my degree further. So I'm hoping to really take advantage of that of all of that and move forward along with like I was talking to the head of my major in business the management major and he was talking to me about doing further education after my bachelor so already I'm super excited into what I'm going to be doing in like five years time and exchange they've said yeah you're definitely going on exchange we need you over there so I was like oh okay awesome like I can't wait for the next few years I just can't wait to say I'm not a first year. So, yeah, I'm excited. So with um, the prospect of international borders opening up, where, where have you got your eyes on for an exchange at this point? Pretty much anywhere, <laughs> to be honest. I'm just excited to explore and learn more places. You've had a great sense of community, it seems, and that might have been part of your expectations that have been exceeded. But for, for joining us on HEDEX at the start and, and end of your first semester as a student, Kobe, Thank you so much. We wish you so well, so well with your studies, your exams in the next week or two, and with your ongoing study at QUT, and, and who knows, maybe at universities around the world. Thanks very much for joining us. That's all right. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. So there you go, Carl. That's, um, that's fascinating to me to get a before and after picture on what students are expecting and then what they're experiencing. And Look, here we are in the second year of the of a pandemic for someone that's starting mid-year on courses that went back into lockdown in week three, having expected to be open for the whole semester. I can't get over how overall 
Kobe's experiences have been very good experiences. She's um, enjoyed her semester of study despite the disruptions of COVID. And uh, the fact that she's made so many mates and, and experienced such a strong sense of community in a place that really wasn't probably at its best is, is one of the really high points of positive feedback from that second interview. Now, I think she, again, she, like many of her her age group cohort will approach everything with open arms. You know, what, what can we do? I read a fascinating study from INSEAD. There was an 18,000 18, person investigation into um, preferences for different generations to, to experience training. And what I found fascinating from that study was that Gen Z, which is essentially Kobe, you know, 18 to 25 year olds currently, 69% of them preferred in-person training. You know, whereas you have Gen Y and Gen X that have sort of quite indulged in the idea of doing remote learning and online learning. So there's a swing here where I think that generation in particular are going to want to walk into things, have the promised land of social experience that they've read and heard so much about and grasp everything they possibly can. And we heard Kobe say that when she said she signed up to everything and went, was found herself at industry nights, you know, without a degree and being offered um, engagement in terms of work. Well, I, th I think that's right. And that's going to be much of the promise that all of our institutions have to look forward to next year. 2022 has the potential to be different. We have the, the, the potential to be part of community in terms of face-to-face -face experiences, as your INSEAD study and data suggests. We have the chance also to have that diverse mix of international and domestic students on our campuses that so many people find rewarding. Kobe also talked about something that we know is hugely attractive to students at all Australian universities, and that's the, the chance to have um, international mobility exposure and, and the, the, the chance to spend time at other parts of the world and other places. And she didn't mention it, but complementary to that are the work experiences and other internship opportunities that we know can enrich studies. So we, we, we have the, the need to realise the promise in 2022 of getting that richness of experience back whilst learning from all of the rush to online and new ways of using technology and new ways of providing experience that the last two years given us. As opposed to crawling or stumbling into 2021, which we all did, you know, mid-pandemic, we're moving into 2022 with a great sense of optimism. I know there's enormous things happening in the sector. Um, some of the things that I've taken note of that I think will be really interesting, this whole idea of the next, no next normal education, you know, what does that look like and who has plans, strategic plans to demonstrate consistency across the university that deliver on the next normal I think that's going to be interesting to watch from our perspective in terms of commentators. I think uh, you mentioned that national conferences is not in its regular position. That's moved to another date. Yeah, well, um, it always used to be the case that um, executives of universities sort of started the year with the Universities Australia gathering in Canberra. We all, a thousand people came together to hear from each other, to hear from um, partners to the sector. They heard from the minister and they heard from the the opposition spokesman on higher education um, and we all got a sense of where we stood and what the the year ahead was going to be like from that gathering in Canberra. Now last year that got delayed because last February March was a particularly acute time for Covid. It got run as an online event in July. It's been scheduled for July again next year um, and I think there's a bit of a gap there where 
you're, you're quite right. The, the, the state of the sector, it's, it's, it's a delicate balance because most people just want to fulfil their relief at getting through 2021, mm-hmm. get, um, get out of their office, get away from the, the, the coalface of it all and recharge the batteries. But people are inevitably looking forward to a different 2022, one that offers much promise for them, for the sector, for our students, and get the plans in place. So I'm, I'm excited about what we're doing of working with a number of partners in universities and other tech companies and, and the like, of trying to put some, some new conversations in live events that we'll be running up and down the eastern seaboard around some key cultural issues for the sector, mm. and also through our series of hackathons, getting some real deep insights into how we can set ourselves up for success in 2022 as a revitalized sector. I think that's what this generation is going to expect of us. Absolutely. What a great year we've had as well, Martin. Thanks for uh, being my partner in HeadX. I really enjoyed it. And Likewise to you, partner. Thanks very much for a great year. We've, we've had great fun. I think it's been a great sense of purpose working with the sector. I think you and I would probably want to thank everybody in the sector that's worked with us, all of our guests, all of our partners in events, all of our partners in all of the advisory services we've been undertaking, and all of the listeners to HeadX. It's been a really tough year. It's been a great year for the sector, and we wish everyone that listens to HeadX um, a very good break and a refreshed 2022 when we're going to kick some great goals.